Hey, it's Drex from This Week Health Cyber and Risk Community, and I want to invite you to our next webinar. It's going to focus on what else? Defending health data. I'll be chatting with experts from Rubrik and Microsoft. Register right now at thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. That's all one string, R-U-B-R-I-K webinar, thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. See you online soon. Today in Health IT, we get into some wonkiness talking about the draft QHIN uh, participant dual factor authentication requirement. <clears throat> Should be fun. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. We want to thank our show sponsors who are investing in developing the next generation of health leaders. They are Taucite and Canon Medical. If you want to be a sponsor of this show, just reach out, thisweekhealth.com slash sponsors. <clears throat> All right, don't forget, we are partnering with Alex's Lemonade Stand. We've set up our own This Week Health Lemonade Stand and would love to uh, have you be a part of us raising money for kids with cancer and research for cancer. And if you want to be a part of that, we would love to have that happen. This is part of our five-year anniversary program and you can find that at the top of our website thisweekhealth.com click on the alex's lemonade stand and please go ahead and make a donation we have a goal of raising fifty thousand dollars and we're well on our way we're at ten thousand today all right john lee so john lee put a post out there on this draft q hen and here's what he had to say it was on linkedin please excuse a detour into health it wonkiness as we said earlier this is a uh, proposed reg regulation rule that will require any user accessing a system connected to the interoperability framework proposed by the government to make sure authentication shall occur by the use of either a multi-factor authenticator or a combination of two-factor authentication. My interpretation is that if you are a nurse who steps away from a workstation, it times out and you have to sign in again, you need to not only use your password, but also need to use the multi-factor authentication. If you then go to another workstation, you will need to use multi-factor authentication. Basically, every time you currently use your password, they are proposing that you have to use multi-factor authentication. He goes on to say, I understand the desire for privacy and security, but I think this proposed rule takes this effort to an unnecessary extreme. Whenever I access a clinical system, it is either on a secure network or I have or I have to use multi-factor to access the clinical application. To me, this proposal goes beyond belts and suspenders. It adds staples. It's unnecessary pain and no gain. All right. So I went out and hit the ONC TEFCA recognized coordinating entity and wanted to read the rule. And this is, it's, it's not long, so that's, uh, that's why I'm going to read it. So authentication, each QHIN participant and sub-participant shall require that workforce members and individuals who, author who are authorized users are authenticated in accordance with the following requirements. Workforce members, each QHIN participant and sub-participant shall require that workforce members who are authorized users of the system which access Protected health information, uh, a lot of stuff in paragraphs you don't need to see. be authenticated at authenticator assurance level two. Note that AAL2 authentication shall occur 
by the use of either a multi-factor authenticator or a combination of two single-factor authenticators, NIST, SP800, described permitted authenticator types. For AAL2, when assertions are used in a federation, a federated environment to communicate authentication and attribute information to a relying, relying party, such assertions shall be a NIST Federation Assurance Level 2. There you have it. So that's the rule. I will say to you that I did not read this the way that John John Lee read this. And and just understanding what I do about how machines are connected within the network. He gives the use case of the nurse stepping away. In our environment, all the clinical workstations were in a tap-and-go situation, which required dual-factor authentication. But once they were logged in, all the systems and all the passwords were essentially, let's say, combined, not combined, that's, that's the wrong word, but they were stored in that, that one-pass system that we had. Right. And so it was just badge in, badge out. The timeout only happened once every four hours. And so if they went to lunch and came back, they would have to reauthenticate and uh, do dual factor authentication. And that already existed within our health system. I, I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't change a thing based on this rule. Like we would still, I know we would include that authentication to any of the data that's being shared through this interoperability framework, but it would not require additional, let's say additional authentication in order to access it, right? So we would access for a clinician, essentially, if you had an eight hour shift, if you had a 12, 12 hour shift, that's a different story. You'd have to authenticate three times, but if you have an eight hour shift, you'd have to authenticate twice, essentially. And we felt like that was a good enough standard for uh, protecting patient information. And we had dual factor authentication because we thought that that level of security was required, especially with the fact that we were giving clinicians access outside of the health system from workstations that were outside of the health system. And we felt that opened up, uh, it provided the convenience that the physicians were looking for, but it also opened us up to a whole host of attacks that we wanted to ensure that people were authenticating. So we needed dual factor authentication for external access. Internal access, I was not all that worried about because as he stated, we have secured networks, but we still uh, implemented it across the board and we had that four hour window of timeout. So uh, I don't think that's an undue burden for the privacy every uh, couple of hours. I do think it's an undue burden. If it's every workstation you touch, you have to dual factor authenticate. That's insane. Like we, we would not have done that. We would have fought back on that pretty hard. You know, here's my recommendation. If I were sitting in your shoes, my so what on this, if I were sitting in your shoes, I would, I'd read this. I'd talk through it with your team, figure out what you believe it means, ask the questions you need of the coordinating entity to make sure that you are compliant with it. And uh, once you feel comfortable, if you don't feel comfortable, comment. I mean, I went out to their comment page. John Lee actually links to their comment page. It's, uh, let me see if I can get the URL for you. It might be kind of, yeah, it's pequeño. pretty big. Anyway, org draft QHIN participation, our participant and subscript, subscribent, subscriptant. Wow. 
interesting word, additional security requirements, a uh, SOP feedback. So it is out there. It's on the it's on the Sequoia Project website, and you can provide some feedback there. So if you read this, determine with your team that is too onerous, then that is where you give uh, feedback. It's still in the draft stage. It's a chance to uh, give some feedback. But again, I did not read this the way they did. You have to determine the way your organization is going to read it and provide and then figure out what the plan is going to be moving forward. But this is our interoperability framework that we have moving forward. And we're going to we're going to want to uh, connect to it. And so we should know what those things are moving into the new year. All right, that's all for today. If you know of someone that might benefit from our channel this year, what we would love for, to have you do is shoot an email to somebody, send an email to them and say, hey, I'm listening to this podcast. Think you would benefit from it and love to have conversations with you about it. And you, you could send them to thisweekhealth.com. You can send them to wherever they listen to podcasts. Remember, we have three channels. We have the conference channel, we have the community channel, and we have the newsroom channel. And you're listening to the newsroom channel. We want to thank our channel sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. They are Tausite and Canon Medical. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.